Greetings and welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. This is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is Jane Colvin. Hi, Jane. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. Oh, awesome. So glad to hear that. Um, so, Jane, you uh, have um, a new novel, right, that was recently released. Um, mm -hmm. It's called The Haunted Heart. Um, can you tell us about that? Just in time for like October's hauntings, right? Yeah, um, I, I know. It's not even like a Halloween story, but it's good timing. Um, it just came out last week, I think, maybe the week before. So it's a uh, contemporary paranormal FF romance um, set in Chicago. And it's the story of Kara, a lawyer from Wisconsin who moves into this apartment in Chicago and finds out that it's haunted. And she has to work together with Nisha, the former tenant of the apartment, to figure out why the ghost is there and how to get rid of the ghost. And of course, along the way, they fall in love. Oh, that's such a cool story. <laughs> so um, Nisha is the former tenant. And how does Tara, is it Tara? Kara. Kara. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how you want to know a secret? I named her after um, Starbuck in Battlestar Galactica. I've no, I haven't told anyone that yet. Oh, cool. Kara cool. Thrace. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So um, how do Kara and, and Nisha actually meet if if one is the current tenant and one is the former tenant. Can you tell yeah. us that? Or would sure. that Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, because it's on the cover of the book. So there's like this whole side plot with the ring. Um, Nisha has lost this engagement ring because Nisha used to live there with her fiance. Um, and they had a big fight and the ring got thrown and lost. And all Nisha wants is to get this ring back because she's still really stuck on her ex. And the ring obviously symbolizes like getting that relationship back. So when Kara moves in, Nisha's like, hi, could you help me? Like, could you look around? Um, and Kara's like, all right, weirdo, whatever. And uh, <laughs> all these weird things start happening in the apartment. And Kara's like, well, maybe it's this weirdo who's like, thinks I have their ring. Like, maybe Nisha is like coming over and looking for the ring and that's what I'm hearing at night and stuff. And so it leads the two of them to meet. Um, and of course, Kara figures out like, no, Nisha's a nice person. She's not like breaking into the apartment to steal stuff. It's a ghost. Oh, that sounds so cool. That sounds like such a fun novel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but like, it turns out there's a whole history of this apartment being inhabited by lesbians. Uh, that becomes like actually really important to the story of like why Barb is haunting it. Oh, neat, neat. So speaking of fun, like I was reading reviews for your books and the word fun kept coming up like from various sources. Um, and I was just wondering, is that how you would describe your work or how would you describe your work? Um, I... I love that you asked that question and I love that you're finding that in various sources because I actually just did another interview about this book and I went back and watched it and I was like, oh my gosh, I am so boring and serious. I hope that my how. books aren't boring and serious too. <laughs> I don't see how that could be true. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I, romance is supposed to be fun, right? And sexy. And um, 
I think I try to infuse my books with a lot of like really heavy, deep political and social issues. Mm -hmm. And I think the way to balance that is by also having lots of humor and lightness. Um, in this book, uh, the the comedy mostly comes from Barb. She, the ghost who has like, she's like no filter. Uh, and that's just a really fun character to write. Like she just says anything she wants and like walks around burping and being weird and and why not? You know, like what is what she's literally dead. Like what's holding her back from being whoever she wants to be, you know? Yeah. And so um, I tried to make her not like a scary ghost and to play with the conventions of paranormal and to make it seem more like a fun haunting, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Sure. And, and, you know, she has nothing to risk. So, you know, as a ghost, she can be her authentic self. That's so cool. Yeah, like one of my favorite moments, like um, she finds out something that Nisha and Kara have done to try to like figure out why she's haunting and how to send her to the afterlife. And she just like looks at them and is like, boy, are you guys dumb? Which is like one of my favorite lines. Like she just, <laughs> she just calls it like she sees it. Uh huh. That sounds like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jane, you have, this is your third novel that you've published with Bold Strokes Books, right? Yep. And your first mm -hmm. one, I think, was The Holiday Detour. Yep. And then the second one was The Queen Has a Cold. Yes. And now The Haunted Heart, right? Mm-hmm. All right, I got that all good, good. <laughs> uh, so did you work with any other publishing houses in the past, or is, is this your first experience in the publishing world? Yeah, um, I did. I talk about this, I think, a lot. So it's not really a secret, but I used to have a different pen name and I wrote MM Romance like in the 2010s, back in like the heyday of that, um, when there were tons of little micro publishers. And I was just getting really dissatisfied. Like I was writing stuff that wasn't my community and it wasn't for my community. Mm -hmm. um, and then a bunch of those publishers collapsed and there were a bunch of scandals about who's writing this and for, for which audience and what gender is the author and stuff like that. And, and I just, I really like took some time and I was like, I love writing romance, but I want to write stuff that feels good to me. That feels like it's about the people I love and my community and is just broader than writing about like cis men. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I started publishing with BSB, I got a new name and like, that's sort of the impetus for these three books, right? Like mm -hmm. all my books have characters who are non-binary or trans. Um, the queen has a cold as an intersex protagonist. And so I just, it's like, for me, it's an opportunity to write like a broader range of our community. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. Really. And it, and it must be just more I'll use that word again, fun for you, you know, <laughs> yeah, or, or more satisfying really. Um, to I think it's more emotionally satisfying, definitely. And I'm not, to be clear, like people can write um, MM romance, like that's great. And you can read it and that's fine. Like I'm not making a judgment there. I mean, um, what happened in the 2010s is really interesting to me because like, it seemed like such a scandal, but now you can like literally buy gay romance novels at Target. So and they're written by everybody, you know, for everybody to read. So yeah. it seems like that scandal kind of like fizzed itself out. But for me, it's like, yeah, there's people in my community that don't usually see themselves reflected in books. And I want to contribute to helping them see themselves on the page. That's awesome. That really is. Yeah, the first time I became familiar with like someone 
writing, you know, um, in uh, another kind of voice was uh, I knew a heterosexual woman who wrote M to M romance. And I was like, what? What? Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. How, how do you know about that? <laughs> and it was, yeah. It, There's some mechanical things that you have to know, right? Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you know, for me as a lesbian, I was like, ooh, that's kind of icky. Like, I wouldn't want to talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't, I didn't know that. I, I am didn't know there was a scandal about it either um i'll have to to look that up that's interesting mm-hmm. well I'm, I'm glad that you landed at bold strokes uh that's awesome um do you feel more at home there um yeah i am i am not getting paid to say this i love bold strokes because <laughs> um I just, um, you're getting <laughs> just kidding just um, kidding i'm not we now pause for this commercial break by bold strokes books um they're just such a venerable publisher. I mean, like Rad has been publishing for 20 years I, and it, more than that even. And I, I think that like um, there's a history and there's a connection to the community that's really important. Um, and they, I think when they brought me on board, it was part of like trying to expand um, to different genders and different sexualities. And that's just, it just feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That is great. So how did you, like, how and when, I guess, did you decide that you wanted to publish, um, you know, a novel with bold strokes, like a, a um, you know, woman loving women or, mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess this was um, fall of 2018. Um, I was actually teaching a university romance class and um I just I, like the spark was relit, you know, and I was like, I haven't written in a couple of years. It's time to do it again. Aww. And the holiday detour came out of me in like six weeks. It's wow. like a whirlwind. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was really fast. I mean, I take forever to revise, but like the draft just flowed right out of me and I was so excited. And I, uh, I did send it to someone else before BSB and it, they rejected it. Um, and I'm actually kind of glad because I think BSB is a much better fit. Um, but it just, it was like, how, where is a good home for this book that, um, I think will, will feel good in the sense of like, we're on the same page sort of politically and with our values, you know? Yep. Yep. That's important. Definitely. You know? Yeah. Totally is. Um, well, that's great. I'm glad that that other house rejected you and you found, (laughs) you found your home with bold strokes. That's wonderful. Um, so when did you actually start writing then? Like that's like, how old were you? And five. Really? So no, I mean, yeah, no, like when did I start writing novels and stuff? I mean, I was like, um, like the nerdy kid who was always sick and couldn't go outside a lot. Mm-hmm. So I always had a pen and paper in my hand, like growing up uh, notebooks and notebooks full of stories and plans for series and things like that. But um, I started like actually writing novels, I guess around 2003, I was writing my magnum opus that still has never been published. You know, the great literary fiction that was going to define our generation. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think we all feel like we have that book in us, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. 
But the thing is, it's like romance is so much easier to write and so much more satisfying to write. And so I started doing that, I guess, around, um, eh, it depends on whether we're talking about like uh, stuff I intended to send out or just stuff for me, but Mm -hmm. somewhere in the early 2000s. And then it was like 2011 when I wrote my first actual book that I meant to send out. Okay. So um, you started writing when you were five, right? And, I mean, I was just joking, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like will tell me that though. Like, you know, they start writing as a youngster oh, yeah. and, and they would write stories, you know? Uh, yeah. And it just kind of stuck with them. I've lived in my head, I think a lot as a kid. Yeah. 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 That's great. That really is. So um, was your first novel then like the, um, the holiday detour, was that accepted immediately by bold strokes or or did they reject it and say hey we want you to do this like how did that go down for you uh they accepted and offered me a contract um i don't remember i'm no way there were obviously like edits and changes that were made i think the only thing i can really remember hashing out was the title it had some dreadful title that was like it made me embarrassed to even like type it um (laughs) And then like the holiday detour seemed like such a better title, but that's, that's like the only thing I remember, like really having to hash out with them. Mm-hmm. That's great. That really is great for your first submission to, you know, to them. But did you, the other uh, company who rejected you, um, did, do they, I don't know, have you heard from them? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't intend to. Okay. Um, it was a it was a uh, much much larger press. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, which I also think is important too. Like, I think it's so cool that so much queer literature is in the mainstream now. And like, when I go to the grocery store, like I just just at the grocery store last night, and boyfriend material was like sitting on the shelf right there by the Cheetos. You know, mm-hmm. like, this is such an exciting moment for us to live in. But I also think there's something really cool and special about like. Um, the stuff that is for our community, by our community, yeah. in our community, you know? Yeah. And I and I think like that's, you know, like BSB and our readers and like your podcast, like I think we're all tapping into maybe a different side of culture that um, the people buying the Cheetos with the book might not know about. And mm-hmm. just really, it's exciting that we still have those spaces for us, I think. It is. It is. It's kind of, it's, I don't know. I, I like, it just occurred to me, like, it's kind of like, um like all the the gay bars are closing right mm-hmm. like um when i was you know coming up in the world that's where you went to meet people oh but, yeah but they're all closing and and nobody goes anymore and you know they they're meeting people in other ways and you know and and um there there was i remember a real concern that lgbtq literature of any type was just kind of going to lose its place mm-hmm. in, because some mainstream publishing houses started, you know, working uh, with that genre. Um, but yeah. It and it, and I think it raises questions about like, well, who ultimately are the books for? Because if it's from a mainstream press, it's got to be something everybody will read, you know? Right. Um, and, and then also like, does that mean that like other presses that are like founded by LGBT people and run by LGBT staff and um, like Bold Strokes, you know? 
will, what will eventually happen to them. And we don't, we want to make sure they stay alive and thrive. And yeah, absolutely. those affinity spaces are really important. Definitely. Like the bars. I totally miss the bars. I know. I know. Yeah. And the clubs and yeah, it's just the, it's a and the bookstores too. It's true. Yeah. Um, like I don't, I don't know. I mean like young people probably don't know that like that they, we used to have to go to like special bookstores to find our literature. Mm-hmm. And most of them are closed now too. And it's so important, like when you see one, buy a book from them, you know, and like don't order books from Amazon, like get them from independent bookstores, especially queer ones, because that helps them stay open. And it's just, it's important for us to have those spaces. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I remember um, like in Provincetown, um, Mm -hmm. I can't think of the name of it, something Harbor. Do you you remember that place? It was a book. I've never been to P-Town. What? I've never been to P-Town. Can you, I know. What? Oh I know. It's, it's quite expensive, and I live in the Midwest, so it's far. Oh, that is far. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will get there one day. Okay. Well, one day you'll have to go check out um, Women's Week. I know. I know. I feel like I'm missing so much of life. Yeah. And then uh, somebody else was just posting stuff from Dinah Shore in California. And I'm like, okay, I just, there's a lot that I'm missing out on here yeah. in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to go to Dinah Shore. I've never been there. That, yeah, that looks fun. <laughs> but um, yeah. And, and so, you know, a lot of those independent um, gay, lesbian owned bookstores are, are just gone. Um uh, so there's only, um, oh God, women's, uh, I can't think of it. There is one in P-Town yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, but that you're right. And, and I think, uh, so when I, uh, first started like really get like getting to know authors, I was actually working at, um, a college and um a lot of the students never even knew that there was like lgbtq like romance novels or adventure novels mm-hmm. or mysteries like they had no clue mm-hmm. um yeah so it kind of became you know like uh, i took it upon myself just to you know introduce everyone to them you know like uh uh and 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 so i hope that that this that these publishing houses stay around for a while you know um and and bold strokes has been around forever yeah i was just gonna say bold strokes is not in danger let's be clear about that bold strokes is doing great and everybody loves it so they do and i hope they stay around for 20 more years yep absolutely so um you know your books were categorized um in as a like an urban fantasy uh or paranormal more yeah paranormal romance um and i think your maybe your first one and maybe the second one uh were categorized as like contemporary romances Mm -hmm. um so have you ever given any consideration to kind of venturing out into other genres yeah i have um so what i what i've tried to do with each of my books is to take a different trope Mm-hmm. and see how I can stretch the limits of that trope and maybe play with readers' expectations for it. So The Holiday Detour was Road Trip. Uh, it's like a madcap, one crazy night story mm-hmm. um, in the vein of like Frank Capra's It Happened One Night or even something like Super Bad, you know, where everything is like one crazy night on this road trip. Great. And then um, 
the queen has a cold was a royal romance i was trying to see like how i could play with the conventions of royal romance especially when like royal lineages have so much to do with gender Mm -hmm. like what would happen if someone was non-binary or intersex like how would that affect everything right Mm -hmm. um and then for this book i wanted to play with paranormal and could i make a paranormal that's not like like for people who like paranormals um i think this will be something that feels really different and maybe hopefully exciting and then for people who don't like paranormals I think they'll find a lot to appreciate in this book because it's trying to play with the conventions of that um, and and making ghosts like fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like that show Ghosts on CBS. I just watched it last week and I was like, oh yeah, this is sort of the same vein, right? It's like fun and like you learn history about the ghost and uh, it's not like super spooky and creepy. It's like sort of just our world with a ghost. And then... Um, so for my next book, I'm I'm playing with um, celebrity romance, you know, like the famous person and the non-famous person fall in love. Mm-hmm. And then, but genre specifically, I've also been thinking about writing mystery. Um, I've been working on a mystery book for a while now, because I think like romance, mystery is so fun in that it follows a formula. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like I can be more creative within a formula because it you get to like look for the spaces in between that formula and how elastic it is. Mm-hmm. And and that I think is just it, it, like just awakens my creativity. That's great. So yeah. mystery would be the other thing I would write. Wow. That I, am, I guess I am writing, but it's taken a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, stepping out of your comfort zone, would you say? Yeah. And um, I just, I don't know who did it yet. And, <laughs> I, I know my sleuth and her world, um, and I think she's great. You guys will all love her. And I know what the crime was, and I know why it happened, but I just don't know who did it, and it seems like I should probably figure that out before the book is finished. Maybe <laughs> maybe that person will just come forward and tell you. You're right. <laughs> you know? Um, just ask the characters one day, like, would the one of you who is the murderer please let me know so I can get to chapter five? Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so do you normally not know where your novel's going? Are you um, what's considered like a pantser? Pantser. Yeah. No, I am an over plotter. Oh, okay. I follow beat sheets. I have like character psychology mapped out. Um, I posted some photos on my Instagram when I was doing the Haunted Heart. I used note card, colored note cards and I like taped them all over my wall. Um, but like, I think... Uh, probably most writers will admit that they're a little of both if they're really honest, you know? So I do like way over plot, Mm -hmm. but then the characters will take you in a direction you didn't expect. And I think your job as the writer is to recognize that and let it go, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. You guys show me where you're going. Um, So I guess it's a little of both ultimately. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's probably true for most authors, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll start with the plotting. That helps me a lot um, with The Queen as a Cold and The Haunted Heart. That's how I started. And then it like, it loosened up. Um, The celebrity romance I'm writing right now is, it started out pantsing. I just had this idea and these people were talking in my head and I just started typing and I had no idea where it was going. And then after I did that, I was like, okay, now this needs some structure. So now let's sit down and make the outline that we can follow for the rest of the way. So it was, you know, a little mix of both. Wow. So you actually started without the outline and then like included the outline after you had some kind of words. Yeah. Huh. I don't usually work that way, but for some reason that book, it was like the characters were just tell- like the characters were just going 
And I just, I just needed to listen to them and type out what they were doing and saying. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's great. That sounds so, I love the way writers talk to you because we always sound just like a little bit unhinged, right? <laughs> These voices in my head are telling me things. <laughs> that's great. I know so many people say, yeah, the characters talk to me. and you know, <laughs> They do. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Or like most of the time, it's not really that they're talking to me. It's that I'm walking around my house having conversations as them. Mm-hmm. Which is, I probably seems even more unhinged. <laughs> I don't know. I think most people have conversations in their head. They do. Whether it's mm-hmm. with themselves or another human being. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, as a newly published author, like this would be probably uh, with your, you know, f- under your former pen name, um, what what was one of the hardest things to handle or, mm. or was there anything that was mm-hmm. well I'm, I'm torn between saying two things um you can say them both i usually say reviews but i'm also thinking about rejection um especially if you've had a book published so previously i had a book published and then like two or three of my subsequent books were rejected <laughs> And I was like, oh, but but I thought I already knew how, how to do this, you know, and that that was really hard. Oh, bad. Um, yeah. But you just have to understand, like, it's all about the market. It's all about sales. It's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why a book is rejected and you have to learn not to take it personally. Like, yeah, what's hot, rejection, what's selling, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rejection might not mean like you suck. It might mean like this is not the right time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then reviews lately have been the bane of my existence. Mm-hmm. I think they're so hard and everybody tells you that, you know, and, right. and you're like, okay, it's going to be hard and people aren't going to like my work. And then I'm just going to like swallow it and then move on. Um, but it, it like gets in under your skin much more deeply than that. And then you can't let go of it. Um, yeah. And I think what I have had to learn and I'm still sometimes learning is how to balance um, whether a review is, critical of a facet of the book that reflects the reader's personal tastes Mm -hmm. or whether it's a legitimate critique of my writing in that something I need to listen to, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think you you have to just have to find the balance between the two. Like um, when I wrote the holiday detour, uh, I remember there was one reviewer who was like, well, the main character Dana doesn't have snow boots. And if this is the Midwest, like I just, I can't buy into this. And um, it stuck with me because it's so funny because I've literally never owned snow boots until like a year ago. And I've always lived in the Midwest because when you live in the city, like people plow and salt and you get on a bus and you don't have to worry about snow boots, you know? Yeah. So, so for me, that was like, okay, so that's that reader's preference. It, it totally like that reader disconnected from the character in the story for that detail, but that didn't necessarily mean that my story wasn't authentic or good or true or interesting, right? Mm -hmm. That was just a disconnect between me and the reader on some personal facet that I can't control. Um, But if reviewers are saying things like, um, I didn't feel the connection between the two characters. Yeah. Well, that as a romance writer, I need to listen to because that's kind of all that matters in romance. And that's a legitimate concern, you know? So yeah. reviews are so hard because you can't read them and absorb everything. And you can't also just never look at them because they're, you're writing for readers. You're writing to please readers. And so it's like what makes it hard is like understanding when to look at them and like how to balance the feedback in that way. Yeah, that's, that is hard. I would, I 
don't know how you do that. I mean, and and you're right. <laughs> One is is like l- legit, right? It's about your craft, um, and the other is just it's someone's opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Not about your craft, but um, they just have this narrow perception of what someone in the Midwest should have, right? Um, and and that has nothing to do with like your writing ability. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's fair. That's a, a legitimate critique for that reader, um, you know, because it's all about the the reader is always right. The book is for the reader. And yeah. it's, so it's all about the reader's personal experience. But that doesn't mean that my next book, I have to make sure my character, for instance, had snow boots or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also like understanding that sometimes the the people reading and reviewing your work might not be the target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the people that you intended the book for um, might not be as vocal, you know? And so like balancing that again, like, oh, the, the criticism might be coming from people like that book wasn't for you. Yeah. You know, I, I always just fall back on what my mom always said. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say <laughs> anything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, I think that's very lovely. Um, it's, I think we live in this really interesting moment, though, because social media and sites like Goodreads and stuff have sort of rewarded people. Um, I think everybody feels like they have to say something all the time. Yeah. And so you sort of get rewarded for being like um, the most cynical in some ways or like, oh, you know, yeah. 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 Um, so it, it can be really challenging. But that's the job. Like, I'm not complaining because like, that's that's the job. That's what I signed up for. You know, yeah. books books are for readers. Yeah, that's hard, though, because, you know, you're an artist, and you are um, kind of bearing your soul in a way to the general public, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and opening yourself up to criticism, um, which is it's kind mm-hmm. of scary when you think about it. <laughs> I never really thought about it that way. But you're right. It's like Sorry, being a writer but... is almost like, you guys, um, here is my soul on the page for you to <laughs> hate yeah. upon or love. Please lavish me with your thoughts. Yeah. I, I, I think. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that if you really appreciated what goes into writing, any, any art, you know, um, anything, like people wouldn't be so critical of it because it's just uh it's hard it's not easy you know yeah it's definitely not easy um so you know i had read um somewhere along the line that that um you were kind of trying to um impact social change Mm -hmm. through your your novels and and how do you see that happening yeah, see, this is where I get like all like serious and not fun. <laughs> um, go for it. Go for let it. Let me talk to you about some deep social issues now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the tagline on my website is "Romance for Social Change," and I I came to that. Um, I guess it was maybe um, six or seven months ago. I was speaking to a creative writing class, and they had read "The Queen Has a Cold," um, and. I'm really candid when I talk to writing workshops and students about like what the realities of being um, a not super famous author are, mm-hmm. you know, like how royalties and advances are never as much as people think and what it's like to get reviews and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was saying like, you know, that I, um, 
you always set out to think you're going to change the world with a book or at least entertain the world with a book. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And this student, I'm going to sound so immodest telling this story, but this is how this came about. Um, this student was like, uh, well, I just think that like, maybe you're, maybe you're ahead of your time. And like in 20 years, people will look back on this the way we look back on like historical LGBT literature. And like, it's so groundbreaking and it's so important and it laid the seeds, you know, Wow. Which is such a lovely thing to say. And I'm like, oh my God, from your mouth to the universe's ears, please. That's so cool. <laughs> it's would sound immodest. Wow. But, but it got me thinking, right? Like, I'm not saying like that student is totally right and that's what's going to happen. But it got me thinking about like, why do I write this stuff? And I I write it because I want I want to uplift our community. And I write romance because romance is fun and mm-hmm. sexy and lighthearted and it makes people feel good when they read it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the number one best-selling genre in the world. Yeah. So it's a lot of people reading it. And mm-hmm. when you combine those two things together, it seems to me like there's just such an opportunity to sneak in the vegetables of like, <laughs> let's talk about political and social issues, but let's do it in a way where things always end up happy. And I think there is something so powerful about that in a community where people are often um, subject to violence and harassment and targets of, you know, homophobic and transphobic laws in real life. And here is a genre that promises us without fail, every single time we will have a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful, right? Like it's not like a trash light read, you know, whatever people call romance, like Mm -hmm. that's powerful. Yeah. So, so I took that and I said, okay, so how can I go even farther? How can I extend that beyond what's on the page? So, so part of romance for social change is like, I'm writing trans and non-binary and intersex characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Misha and Kara are a multiracial, multicultural relationship, you know, so how do I do that? But then what can I do beyond the page? And so um, for the queen has a cold, I decided I am not intersex, and so I cannot be profiting off telling the story of intersex people. This book is to uplift the community and to help them see themselves reflected in one more piece of literature. Mm -hmm. And it's also to educate people who don't know what intersex is, because like an alarming number of people were like, what's intersex? Mm -hmm. So um, I talked to, I had an expert consultant on that, Hans Lindahl, and Hans, I said, I I, I don't want to just be profiting and exploiting. So let's give back, you know, and Hans recommended the Houston Intersex Society. And so for the life of that book, a portion of my royalties will be given as donation to the Houston Intersex Society. Um, And then the holiday detour uh, was set in Highland Park. Um, And so after the July 4th shooting, um, a portion of those royalties went to victims funds. Um, Those campaigns have ended. So I need to think now about what what would be the appropriate place. Um, but that's sort of how I'm doing it too, is like, can we also turn this literature into something that actually our community benefits from? Wow. And I haven't yet made an announcement about the haunted heart, um, but I'm on the cusp of something that I think would be a good place for donations for that book. Wow. That is, that is so awesome of you. <laughs> Thanks. Really? <laughs> that is great. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of of any other author doing that. That's um that's really unique and really generous of you. And well, thank you. Yeah. Um, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. That's so cool. Really. So um, 
you know, I, I think that's one more reason why our listeners should go pick up your books. Right? <laughs> um, very cool. Really cool of you. Um, I have a whole new respect for you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I, I did check out your website um, and um, I saw like you have a blog also, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it hasn't been updated in a while, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so I, I did notice that too. But uh, one of your, I think it was maybe last year, you um, had um, uh, a piece about uh, National Coming Out Day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, we're approaching that day. Um, and so I wanted to, wanted to hear your thoughts about that. Um, what do you think about National Coming Out Day? And, you know, should we celebrate? Should we not celebrate? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I tell the story on my blog about how when I was in college, um, like I was out. I came out my first year of college, second semester. Um, and I was a, like a theater kid. So like pretty much everybody was out. But it was <laughs> yeah. National Coming Out Day. And it was my second year in school. Everybody knew I was gay. It wasn't like a secret. And they set up like this um, door that was taken from the theater. So mm -hmm. it was like a freestanding door and they put it in the quad and they wanted people to like walk through it as like the symbolic, you know, coming out, stepping through the closet. Yep. But the people doing it were like, they were my friends, but they were also like straight. <laughs> and they were like, come on, come on, you have to walk through the door. And I was like, I, I, I really don't need to walk through your door. Thank you though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was always sort of stuck with me about like, um, how, how do we, how do we balance? Like the more of us who come out, the more visible we are as a community and the stronger then we become and the harder it is to make laws about hating us. Mm -hmm. Right. So like there's strength in numbers, but how do we balance that with like, there's a performativity to coming out sometimes, right? Like the, the door in the quad that everyone would then cheer for me if I had walked through. Mm -hmm. Like, it wouldn't have actually changed anything. Like I was out in my life. It's my private life, you know. Yeah. Um, that would have just been a gesture for them. So how do we balance those two? And then how do we also add the fact that like for many people, it's just simply not safe to come out. Yeah. Right. People live in neighborhoods or communities or even countries where it's just not safe. And I think sometimes we have this sense of like, oh, the world is so progressive now. Everybody get out and stay out, you know, the Harvey Milk attitude. And I think I had that for a while in my 20s too. Like, mm -hmm. oh, it's 2001. The world is so progressive. Everybody should be out. And it's like, well, that's cutely naive of you. You lived in Chicago and you did theater. Like everyone was out. Yes. <laughs> it was a very safe place, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, to me, like the discourse around National Coming Out Day is just fascinating because like there isn't a simplistic answer. Like everybody has to like go at their own pace with recognizing their own identity and everybody has to come out all the time in different spheres anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and some people can't, some people can only ever be out in private. And I don't know, it's just, I don't have like a good specific answer. I just, these are all like things I puzzle over every year. No, those are really great um, kind of notions and, and questions that you, you bring up, like, um, you know, it, it's not everyone's experience is it's just so different. Mm -hmm. and, and we have to accept that that's where people are. Mm -hmm. And that's their reality. 
it may not be our reality, but it's their reality. Yeah. And it's okay for them to be where they are right now. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would never want someone to feel like, oh, because I'm not vocal enough about my gender and sexuality that I'm like, not really a part of this community, or I'm not doing my part or something like, mm-hmm. you you have to walk your own path, you know. Yep. And, and that doesn't mean that the rest of us aren't still your brothers and your sisters and your non binary siblings supporting you like mm-hmm. you're still family, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I struggle with like having a day. Because like, I don't know about you, but I have come out over and over and over in my <laughs> lifetime because, you know, you meet new people or you yeah. get a new job or, you know, like you just, uh, so it's not just, it, it doesn't happen <laughs> just one Dude, time. If only there were like a national registry and on <laughs> national coming out day, we could all just like sign it and then we never have to do it again. <laughs> like everybody else's responsibility. Just go check you guys. I already did this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's a real conundrum, right? I think it's also challenging when you're not, um, like, I think people expect there to be visible markers of queerness. Yeah. Uh, and my, my spouse who uses flexible pronouns <laughs> says, I look like a Cole's mom. <laughs> like, that's, that's how they describe my appearance. So I, I like walk into queer spaces and I'm usually read as ally and people are like, oh, thank you so much for being here to support us. And I'm like, screw you. I've been gay for like 20 years. Like I have, I have earned my place in this community. Wow. Um, and it, and so like, there's also something really fascinating to me about how like coming out who has to come out and who doesn't have to, you know, like who do people just look at and they're like, Oh, you're queer. Oh, you're trans. Oh, you're non-binary. And who do people like, who, who like has to assert their queerness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's funny. Exhausting. um, I, when I started uh, my previous job, I, I, so I am, I define myself as a sporty dyke. Mm-hmm. Um, and um and that's my definition of me so it's okay and um i uh have always been out and uh i start this job and this woman just kind of bounces up to me and she's like oh hi nice to meet you so what does your husband do uh, and i'm like what like do, do you not see me <laughs> like yeah. that was just the oddest question um but just like to not really it was obvious she just wasn't looking at me for who Mm -hmm. I was you know Mm -hmm. Um, yeah so that was a weird weird experience uh you know so I just naturally said well my partner because we weren't married at the time um and just went into it and she she rolled with it so but that was very nice that she rolled with it but what a weird thing to assume about people anyway like you just assume yeah. Yeah. Even if I if I did have Ugh. a husband, like that was a weird question. It's a weird question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and whether you're like gay or not, like just assuming that, um, assuming number one you're straight, and then assuming you're also married, it's like, oh, yeah. come on, you guys, this is exhausting. I know, right? <laughs> Don't make us keep doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you. So you have to keep blogging because you know you you have a lot to say. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will. I will try. Okay. All right. I have lots of thoughts. I'm going to be checking (laughs) it out. Uh, So where, where can our listeners go? What's your website? Uh, JaneColvin.wordpress.com. JaneColvin.wordpress.com. 
Yeah, I'm a cheapskate and I didn't pay the 35 bucks to just have janecolvin.com. So it's .wordpress.com. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. So you guys heard that and go check it out. Check out Jane's website. Um, like she has her books, her blog, everything's there. Um, it's it's a nice, nice site. Um, so oh, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm also all over the social medias. Like I'm probably on Twitter way more than I need to be. And it's just, I'm at Jane Colvin on all social media. So I'm easy to find. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, so you guys check her out. Um, I think, I think you'll like what she has to say. Um, and um, I'm going to check out your latest book, The Haunted Heart. Um, that sounds like a fun book. Um, up my alley. Um, and that's about all the time we have for today. So Jane, I'm going to ask you, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Oh, oh, so much pressure. Uh -oh. um, read books and be nice to each other. Awesome. Awesome advice. <laughs> I love it. That That's my kind of life. Um, so Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been a pleasure talking with you. You were not boring at all. You were awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm just so glad that um, that you're doing this and, and reaching out to the community. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. So that's all the time we have for today. I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Les Talk About Books, baby. And thanks again to Jane Colvin for being with us today. Until next time, may your journey be lighthearted. Peace be plenty and be safe, folks.